got it. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Welcome to a special crossover episode of Back to the Light and Duddy's Your Buddy. I'm one of your hosts, J.D. Rieger, and with me is your co-host and, you know, maybe the host you're used to if you're a Duddy's Your Buddy fan, Dustin Heath. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Duddy's Your Buddy. I was wondering if you were going to do your Duddy's Your Buddy voice for this one. 100th episode. 100. Well, congratulations on 100 episodes. How does it feel? Did you think you'd make it to 100? Dude, I didn't think I'd make it 10. So, I mean, honestly, no. (laughs) Not even close. Not even close. Do you feel, I mean, 100 is kind of a milestone in the podcast industry. Do you, I mean, do you feel good about getting there? Well, I came into 100 with one of two mindsets. Either it was going to be it. Like I go to it because nothing lasts forever, let's be honest. And I was either going to be done at 100 or do something special at 100. And I think it was around, what, 90-ish that I got on the back of the light. And I was like, well, it'd be kind of weird to just jump on this guy's podcasting network and quit 10 episodes in. So yeah, I'll keep going. So. I was about to say, is the fact that I'm here indicative of the fact that you're shutting it down? hey <laughs> No, it's vindictive fact that I'm like still in it. I guess you know. It's like, oh man, I got obligations now. I got to do this. <laughs> that that was a that was a joke about me being nothing special. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm I'm really happy that uh, you've decided to continue on because I enjoy the show, and I know that there are. I mean, you know, in the grand scheme of things, both of our shows don't do the kind of numbers that uh, the Mark Marins and Joe Rogans of this world do. But I still think that. You know, we reach people in in different and and unique ways, and I'm really happy to have you on the network. Um, I appreciate that. I'm really happy to be here. And the moment I realize that, or feel like that, I'm not reaching people. And it's a waste of time. Is is usually about the time that I'll get feedback. It's odd. It's usually about the time that I'm like, why am I doing this? It's a waste of time. I, you know, and I've done it with wrestling too. And it's been like, why am I wasting my time with wrestling? I'm like, I'm never going to make it. You know, you get these weird negative thoughts. And next, you know, someone didn't show up one day to a show and I'm thrown in the main event with KT. And I'm like living the best life I could be at the moment. And I'm like, this is amazing. I'm working with a guy I want to work with. And I, I got a boss that I love. And I got a company that I love and crew that I love. And, you know, sometimes things come together and it changes your perspective. And you and Back to Light were that for Daddy's Your Buddy. Well, thanks, man. You know, I could kind of relate to that. I just had an awful experience with uh, negotiating a business deal that I had really, really high hopes for, and it completely crumbled in a demoralizing sort of way. But then, you know, a few days later, another opportunity opened up, and, you know, I'm even more excited about that now. So, I mean, I think sometimes, you know, failure sets us up for what we're really, the path we're really supposed to be on. Yeah, David has a really cool thing that he's mentioned to me, Barnabas the leader, if you will, where he, sure. he feels like the opportunities arise for people. And sometimes that person doesn't capitalize on that one. And someone else kind of falls into that slot. Like, um, well, like, the, for instance, what I just said, someone didn't show up and I got kind of thrust into the main event picture, just the way it is. Yeah, um, Drew Bledsoe got that hard hit back in was 2001 and Tom Brady came in. The rest is history. So, you know, it's what happens. Um, and, and, for for podcasts in general, it's such a labor of love because we make no money. 
we make no money doing it. It's 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 if it wasn't for the feedback, I probably would just have been like, oh, screw this, about five episodes in. But that change well, you can help somebody. Yeah, yeah. And I think you do, man. I think you do. Uh, before we get into the meat of what we're going to talk about, I also want to check in with you about your health because, I mean, you know, I think I think your listeners know that you had a pretty big injury recently and, um, you know, but I've seen you in person not too long ago and it seems like you're doing a lot better. You know, you don't you don't have a noticeable limp that I can see. No, that's good. That's good to know. It depends on how close we are after my PT sessions. I mean, those are brutal. Uh, but the good news is yesterday in PT, I actually squatted 225 for six reps below parallel, which was huge. Um, and trap bar deadlifted four plates on each side for sets of eight. So the comeback is happening. It's just not as fast as I would like, but it's a catastrophic injury. I mean, what everything they've done in there is pretty remarkable. I couldn't even walk two months ago. You yeah, know, so. I remember yeah and i got some gnarly scars and stuff but it, it's <clears throat> i mean complete pretty much complete acl tear meniscus tearings uh they had to basically rob my patellar tendon to make a new acl had to shave bones all kinds of craziness in there but it's so much better now that they're thinking i could be back in the ring as early as november wow that's even yep. earlier you know i think originally the idea was maybe like january or something so that's yes that's, that's ahead of schedule yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pushing forward as hard as I can. Um, the physical therapist even said it's a testament to, you know, when they ask on a scale of one to 10 how much pain you're in, and I'm like eight, but I'm still squatting. He's like, that's what some people just don't get. You have to push through that pain barrier to make it work and heal and or else, because your body just wants to heal it. It doesn't matter how it heals it, it just wants to heal it, you know? So it, it's been a learning process. Like I actually had to learn to walk again. I had to learn to jump again because um, my brain and quad just didn't connect anymore. So there's a long road, but I mean, November is looking like the time frame, which is way better than when I initially did. And people looked at my MRI like, ooh, you may probably never wrestle again, just so you know. So it's a big difference. It's a big step, you know? Yeah. And I, th I think it's fair to say, I don't know how much you want to share about this, but you know, not only was this a physical injury, but there was also a mental health toll that came with it as well. Oh, I'll be, I'll be raw as you want me to be. I, 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 it was, it was hard. It was really hard. I was for about a month was completely almost incapacitated with pain and um, just the mental side effects of it because of all the work they did in there. Um, it was just so much. And I asked the physical therapist two weeks after surgery, why am I in so much pain? He's like, dude, you have like eight broken bones in there. He's like, between all the screwing and drilling and cutting and, and, and sawing, he's like, we very much broke everything in there in some capacity. Um, so he goes, that's why it hurts so bad. So yeah, it was, it was a rough go. Um, it definitely was. But now, like I said, yesterday was the first time I actually had a glimmer of a while. I had the surgery on June 1st. And we're, what's today, August? The 23rd. Yeah, and yesterday was my first day. As we day record of this as we record this and so like literally was yesterday was the first day I was like wow I might actually be able to do this again like I might be normal again or even better than I was because it's ever since then, it's been like just get back in the ring hope 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 wait hold on I think I actually might be as good if not better now is that if that makes sense were you worried that you weren't gonna be able to do it or that you weren't gonna have the 
you know, whether it's emotional fortitude or whatever, to, to get back to a place of wanting to perform again? Want was never the problem. Um, no, because I love it. I love Memphis. I, I'm probably going to end up being wrestling for Memphis as long as I can. Um, yeah, absolutely. I love it there. But it, it, I'm sorry, what was the question again? <laughs> Oh, uh, I mean, you know, we were talking about your mental health state after the injury, and I, and I just have to imagine that some of, you know, there had to be some anxiety about whether or not you would even be able oh, to yeah. get back to this thing that you love. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and it was it was mainly because, I mean, you hear football players blow their ACLs. They come back a year later. They're not quite as fast. They're not quite as this or that. Some are fine. According, but I was lucky I got put in a physical therapy place where the Colts were actually doing their summer camp. So I was oh, that's with, cool. Yeah, elite physical therapists, elite athletes. Um, like my surgeon said, he goes, I consider you a pro athlete with what you do and how you look and what how hard you work. We're gonna put you here. And I was very fortunate because being there is pushing me, but it's made me believe that I can do it again because I mean when a woman looks at your MRI and gets sick to her stomach. Yeah. Because she's like, yeah, I don't even think you'll be able to walk normal again. And that's one of the first interactions you have with an injury is like, oh, so this whole thing like running and wrestling and and, and, and stuff is gone. And she's basically sitting there like, I'm not going to say that, but maybe. And I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> and uh, but the surgeon set me straight. He actually had the same surgery I did that he performed. Yep. You know, that that kind of reminds me of something from the movie Beyond the Mat. And, you know, uh, R.I.P. Terry Funk died today also as we record this. Did he? Yeah, yeah. You haven't seen that? Yeah. I, I don't know if he actually movie. died today, but, uh, you know, everybody's doing the The news came out today. Oh, man. I had no idea. I've been working. I worked 10 hours. I had no idea. Yeah, yeah. It's a oh. to total bummer. But uh, wow. one of my one of my favorite scenes in that movie is when he's getting his knees checked out, and he's asking the doctor, "So if I don't have the surgery, will I just still be able to get around comfortably?" And the doctor looks at him and says, "You shouldn't be able to get around now." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, just a testament to the, uh, you know, uh, it makes me wonder like what kind of care these some of these wrestlers were getting back in the day. I imagine it probably is not the same standard of care that you received. I think there was a lot of, a lot of self-care, if you will, back then. Yeah. If you get my drift, uh, uh, as young as a lot of those poor guys passed away at, um, geez. Yeah, it's, 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 it's rough. I, I, I look at what they've done with me and I'm just kind of like, I look at that, I, I look at it, I'm like, I don't know how you did all that and how I'm walking. It's, it's very, let alone going to be potentially normal again or better is very, it's amazing, but I mean, I'm not complaining. I'm, I'm just, I, 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 I at first was the victim-ish mentality with all of it, and then I just accepted it, and I was kind of like, you know, you did really good. What if you can't wrestle again? You're gonna cry about it forever. You got kids, you got dogs, you got stuff to do. You got friends that rely on you. Suck it up, and you can go support them people and live a good life. And that was my mindset, because you remember, I, I blew out my knee in North Carolina, drove 10 hours to Memphis, drove another eight to Cincy to drop off David. And then I had two hours by myself, two and a half by myself, all the way to the ER here in Indianapolis. Oh, man. I, I can hours, only imagine that was a dark two hours. That two hours felt forever. And that two hours was me sitting there being like, okay, you're not going to wrestle again. You have to accept it. Bawling, crying, 
your dream's over, but you know, what's important? And honestly, what I did was I texted Dustin who runs Memphis and I was like, we know I'm screwed, but keep David on TV. I said, he's the talented one. Please keep him on TV, no matter what happens with me. And he's like, oh, that sounds like something you would say. Oh, well, I was like, he's he is true. He's the talented one. He came up with all this stuff. So it's like, keep him on TV. If you have to fire me, fire me. That's fine. I I mean, I get it. I blew up my knee. I mean, but keep David. And Dustin's like, yeah, no problem. And he's been using him and he's like, we're not getting rid of you either. So (laughs) it's been like the total opposite of most wrestling stories you hear, you know? Yeah. When, when heading into like a process that involves heavy, heavy surgery, um, being someone who like me has had issues with addiction in the past, was there any concern for the pain management part of, of your recovery process? A thousand percent, a thousand percent. And I'm, but I'm happy to admit that I, I still have untouched pain medication that I flushed after it was all said and done. I mean, I, I got rid of it because I never used a lot of it. Um, yeah. So big concerns, massive concerns. Yep. Do you want to, I mean, I, I hate to just say, do you want to dig into that a little more? But um... uh, sure. So I had a weird journey with addiction. Um, <laughs> the weirdest journey. All my journeys are weird, so I might as well be perfect, of course. Um, I watched Days of Thunder last night before bed, and I'm, I'm not even a big race guy, but I love that movie, and I love the <laughs> line. Where he, I love the line where he says, uh, "I want you to hit the pace car." So, hit the pace car. Hit the pace car. You hit every other thing out there. I want you to be perfect. And I'm just like, I died laughing. So like, that's like my journey. Like I'm screw up so much as then like these weird journeys that but I'm still on the path I want to be on. It's, it's this weird snakes path almost, but I end up. So when I, I didn't drink for, oof, I don't think I drank, drank really until I was in my mid twenties and because I was terrified um, because I grew up in a family that drinking and drugs were okay and it was prevalent. Uh, my parents weren't bad, bad, um, weren't bad, bad. Uh, their relatives, some of them were, um, but I just thought that's what adults do. They grow up, they forget their dreams, they give up on their dreams and they raise kids to the best of their ability working a nine to five and drown their sorrows as they basically live in silent, uh, you know, suffering and, and depression. Yeah, yeah. Drown it in brown, as they say. Drown it in brown. Only I was more of a clear guy, but yeah. Um, so what happened was I went in the service and the service really enables drinking hard. Like that's like, they're big on drinking. Um, they even have special liquor stores on base, like every five feet called the class six. Oh yeah, yeah. I remember I had family in the military uh, and I remember when I was a kid uh, during a family reunion, we all took a big family trip to the Millington Air Force Base and everyone loaded up on liquor and cigarettes. It was hilarious. Mm, just cheaper. Yeah, yeah. Tax free. I got some toys or something, I think. I can't even remember. Yeah. So, and being service life is obviously stressful. So, I mean, I think it kind of started there. I was probably 26, 27, but I would get, I would like kind of, I didn't realize how hereditary addiction is. I, I, and I didn't realize how bad it was in my family. And then I realized on both sides, it's like prevalent, severe addiction. And, and, and from the New England area, I'm not trying to like make fun, but Maine is known for its 
addictions. I mean, it's like the meth capital of the world. I mean, they don't even hide it, you know? You know, when I went to sell my house up there, I literally had a guy, the realtor came to me and said, so you're gonna stay in here until the house is gone, right? And this is like a nice little house in a nice neighborhood. And I'm like, no, why? And he's like, because if you don't, they're gonna, literally that'll be a meth lab in like two days. They'll see the realty sign, it'll be a meth lab within two days and all your copper will be gone. So I stayed in it until I sold it. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah, so it's not any unknown thing that, you know, drugs, alcohol, really prevalent in, in Maine. It, it's it's just... Oh, I mean, you know, every area's got their own things. You know, Memphis, I could, we could we could spend an entire, you know, podcast series on what's going on in Memphis right now. So, you know, I, I yeah. get it. Yeah, and, and, and well, the reason I'm picking on Maine is it's rural. Like, I guess people get bored. I mean, I don't know. Like, why else yeah, do... Yeah, yeah. Why, yeah, why else do they, like do half the stuff they do in those areas so anyway fast forward and i didn't realize that there's like you know i took health class in school and no one ever tells you about it. i mean they're like don't drink and you won't have to worry about being an alcoholic don't do drugs you won't have to worry about being a drug addict and you know it's kind of like don't walk down that particular dark alley and you won't have to worry about being victimized when people get victimized in broad daylight it's like are you serious um so i didn't really understand it i and and i'll be honest i was pretty naive um with it and it's turned into a nightly thing. Just get home from, I hated my job. Uh, marriage was falling apart, everything was falling apart. And I'm just like, screw it. This is what adults do, they give up on their dreams, right? And I, I drank a lot for a few years in my 30s. And I woke up one day with severe back pain and I couldn't shake it, like couldn't shake it. And this is at the lowest of the lows we're talking. I mean we're talking i literally would start my day with alcohol that's how bad it got you know um, oh i i did that too um we could probably yeah. have like a you know who who got up to more hijinks you know competition <laughs> here if we really wanted to about i don't think it's necessary i'm not proud of any of it me either and you're a musician so i'm not gonna fucking touch your stories but yeah. <laughs> well you know with wrestlers it's more like pills and stuff usually i think people assume that's the yeah. cliche that's the cliche i think you know people pills, don't, yeah. yeah yeah with with musicians it's more like yeah it's, it's it's usually booze or you know cocaine or something yeah the new booze candy yeah the um so i um I, got, I became a pretty bad alcoholic. Then I was start, like I said, started many with drinks. It was either Crown Royal or, or vodka. Like I, there was no in between. And it's embarrassing, but it's the truth. I mean, I, on the way home from my job at the time, there's a an old base, Fort Ben Harrison. And I would stop on the way back from my job and get like those little airplane vodkas and drink two or three on the way home to keep the shakes at bay. Until I got to the liquor store and we could be act normal so I get the real thing, come home, basically get shit faced, pass out, wake up, rinse, repeat for a few years. Woke up one day with severe back pain. I couldn't figure out what was going on. And um, I'm like, still shit faced. I'm like, I'm, I'm like, I can't go to the ER like that. I was so embarrassed. I can't go to the ER like this. I do. Pancreatitis. Alcohol induced pancreatitis. Worst pain I've ever been in my life. Yep. Wow. Yep. Not many people know this story, so I can't believe I'm telling it, but it's so embarrassing to even think about little and tell, but here we go. So, I was such an alcoholic and I didn't know it that I guess I like almost died in the hospital like three times over the course of five days detoxing. And I remember very minimal of it. My addiction was so bad, so bad that literally my body 
was dying and killing itself through withdrawals in the hospital. And I guess one time people came in and I guess the third, the nurse was like, oh, I'm glad you're here because he literally almost died last night. His blood pressure was like 190 over like 160 or something or even worse. It was, it was nuts. And um, they were just trying to keep me alive and through the detoxes is what they did for like three or four days. I remember so minimal of it. It's I got told stories after, dude. Embarrassing. Yeah. Embarrassing. Yeah. I I I quit drinking cold turkey and then hearing stories like that make me I mean, I guess, but you know, I, I it was it was an awful scene over here. Um mm-hmm. I feel very lucky that um that I that I survived the detox process without being, you know, around, I should have been under medical supervision, honestly, probably. Yeah. But cause I was, I was drinking more than enough to warrant that, to warrant yeah. that concern. And, you know, I yeah. hear stories like that and it makes me grateful that I survived doing it on my own because that's probably not the greatest way to do it. No. And two quick asides to lead into how serious addiction, especially with alcohol can be, cause I believe I heard, on a podcast about drug addiction that the two withdrawals that can kill you are alcohol and, and I think benzos was the other one like heroin and stuff like it won't kill you you'll be sick but it won't kill you like your body will actually die from withdrawal from benzos and alcohol those are the two fatal ones so aside two quick side notes on the way to like how bad this got was um, it started with pills by the way in the service so they were giving me pills like candy for my shoulder that I screwed up on a deployment to Haiti um, and then so it started with the pills and then booze came in shortly thereafter, fast forward all these years. But one of the main reasons when I was in this process of driving home, I made up my mind I was gonna quit cold turkey. And what stopped me was, I, I kid you not, was, I try not to swear, but I think I've ever sworn a couple of times, which I apologize, but um, that, that kid from True Blood died from alcohol withdrawals. And I was listening to a podcast called Hollywood Babylon with Kevin Smith and Ralph Garman. And they were going through some people who passed away in Hollywood. He was one. And they said, it's a cautionary tale of going through alcohol withdrawals, cold turkey, not seeking medical support. You can pass away. His kidneys said, all this shit. And I'm like, oh, I better not quit. How stupid was that? So it was I like, have... oh, I can't quit. I'll die. <laughs> That's funny. I mean, there's a certain wisdom to it. I mean, again, I, I feel incredibly lucky that, you know, I don't know, maybe I... I had, you know, the magic formula of, of, of self-home care, but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm grateful to be here. No, yeah, we all are grateful you're around, bro, but it's, yeah, so pancreatitis, severe withdrawals, almost died, um, a couple times. It was embarrassing, um, my mom got flown out here, and we don't have a great relationship, we never have, we used to have no relationship now because of this, um, but... I went home. I actually had one relapse because I went to Maine a few months later, clean as a whistle, man, digging it, digging it. Whole world was in HD. Uh, got back and I was shamed so bad for being an alcoholic. I started drinking again. Um, everyone was drinking and I was doing good and everybody shamed the bejesus out of me and basically was like calling me a loser, like on the DL, not like hey, that loser over there, but we come, oh yeah, so freaking alcoholic, oh yeah, yeah. Chris, you know, a lot of those people never approved of me anyway, so I was hearing a lot of weird stuff, and I was like, all right, whatever. Started drinking again, and went, and it got, got super carried away again. It was almost instantly, got carried away again, and uh, 
But that one I went through on my own. That one I, I did go to an ER and I said, listen, this is what I did. I screwed up, I relapsed. I've been drinking pretty hard the last couple of months, but I'm functional. I just don't want to go through withdrawals bad again. And they basically gave me a couple pills for a few days. I'm like, this will help you with withdrawals, blah, blah, blah. And I'll tell you, um, I went through the shakes and all that shivering and sick and all over again, like an idiot. And but that was it. And I was like, I, I, there's no way I'm surviving a third one of these. I was like, there's no friggin' way. There's no way. And that was years ago. That was years ago. That was probably, I don't have a, everyone makes fun of me. You don't have a sober date. I do. I don't know when it was because I was shit faced, but it was like a, but, um, say, I don't actually been, know my sober date either. I purposefully decided not to remember it for whatever. Me too. Reason. I think it was actually, believe it or not, I think it was in August. Yeah. I, that's all I can tell you. It was probably 2017 or 18. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a couple of years behind you, but yeah, I think mine's in like June, maybe. Yeah, I think it was August, I want to say. I want to say it was for some reason. I don't know why. Well, as you can see at the top of our screen, we only have so much time left. So I want to ma definitely make sure that we address, you know, we've talked about how bad it was for both of us. Hmm. Maybe let's talk about what inspired you. I mean, was it literally just like a fear of your own life that made you want to get it together to make you want to get your shit together? Um, long story short, because you said we're on limited time. So I, I listened to a podcast, the Joe Rogan episode, where they had the brothers who did the movie Bigger, Stronger, Faster, and they also did a movie called um, Prescription Thugs, two documentaries. One's really good about steroid use, and one's about prescription drugs, obviously. And they... We're talking about how prevalent addiction is and no one talks about it. And he, one day he looked in the mirror and he just saw himself. He's like, you made a documentary about fitness. And he's like, I'm fat and I'm bloated. And I'm this. And I remember seeing wrestling passing on TV. And I just remember looking at it like, that's my dream. Like still thinking like, I'm going to do that someday as I pass a mirror. <laughs> and I'm like this gelatinous, fat mess of rosacea and just grossness. And I'm like, serious you're a joke i hadn't lifted I, I was a gym rat i hadn't lifted weights hard and serious for a year no come on fatty but i dave goggins up and i was like hey man you're never going to achieve this so the good thing is look at what i'm doing now between the podcast it ain't much but it's the podcast memphis wrestlings and how much i'm doing to basically take hey all that negativity in my life i flipped it now i'm trying to make everyone's lives positive out of all this garbage i'm Hey, I did all this. Let me teach you how to not do everything that I did, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I think a lot of people, you know, I'm a big proponent of you know, talk therapy. But um, another super important aspect to mental health is actually having some connection to your physical health as well. I've noticed, you know, in the last, it's gosh, I guess I've been doing yoga now for three years. And I mean, I'm not only am I down like 25 pounds from where I started, but also like, like I just feel so much better. Like I'm happier. Like I, you know, going, you know, stairs are not an issue for me anymore. Like my overall quality of life is so much more improved by just like a very baseline level of physical activity. Yeah. It, well, there was a study I read that like, mild to moderate uh depression physical exercise is way more effective for the, those levels mild to moderate now to be fair physical exercise is far superior to drugs um for that level oh for sure i mean yeah. you know if you want to feel better fast 
like the quickest way to feel better is you know yeah do do some push-ups do some yoga or whatever you know get that adrenaline rush and like and also like the mental state of like doing something to consciously take care of yourself it there's something about you know thinking it and being it that makes you feel better oh yeah for sure especially i'm a morning workout person too just because my schedule's so crazy and it's amazing how much easier things are to handle at work or whatever kids sick because when you've taken care of yourself first thing in the morning you're like oh yeah i did that i don't have to worry about it. so if my day gets awry i can i already i worked out so that's done oh cool you know and you handle things better i think yeah you know, do you I do yoga in the mornings too. And do you notice that like on the days, like on your rest days that it's like, there's higher anxiety levels than like on days that you work out that you seem to, you know, I know with, for me anyway, I seem to deal with, you know, I deal with shit better. Yeah, for sure. Because I mean, about lunchtime too, um, on my off days, I'll start kind of almost getting antsy being like, oh, wait, wait, what's tomorrow? Oh, yeah, tomorrow, tomorrow's deadlift day. Okay, cool. You know what I mean? I'll start being like, oh, deadlift. Yeah, I love deadlift. You know, I'll start, you know, because it's like my hobby. And that's like, I was joking, that's a hobby that'll be there when wrestling's done. When the doctors legit say you can't wrestle anymore, I'll always have the gym, you know? And that's like my new, that, and, and I was a gym rat as a teenager. Like, seriously, I got away from it when I was drinking, but I, I mean, I climbed, it's like the first thing, honestly, you know what, JD, it's the first thing I did when I sobered up. The first thing I did is I went to the gym and I kid you not, I got pinned under uh, 225 on the bench. Like, cause I was like, I used to bench like almost 400, watch me. You know, drunk and pinned by myself in the gym, had this freaking snake out from under it and like do the whole, I'm sure the security cameras, they had great footage of me trying to survive and snake out from under this 220, this warm up weight, you know? And uh, this actually the first thing I did was get back into the gym. Once I, the instant I got out of the hospital from the T-tops, I think I went to the gym. Yep. Well, that's, that's who you are, man. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm really happy that, that you worked your way out of it. Not only uh, in, the, in the, larger, the larger sense of, uh, of your, you know, battle with addiction, but also in the shorter term with these setbacks, you know, the physical and emotional setbacks that came with this injury. I'm glad to see you back. I'm glad to see you, um, you know, poised to, to get back in the mix, not only with wrestling, but also Duddy's your buddy. I appreciate it. It's it's good to be back. And, and it really helped going down to that last taping. It was nice to see everybody. I mean, I don't know why people can't see what's how special Memphis wrestling is. Some people just can't, and I don't know why. It is so special. Competition. Competition and jealousy, probably. Yeah, I mean, I, I I know people that have, I've been in the business with who have been there and stuff, who who never felt what I felt there, which I always felt like the minute I walked in, I wrote this nice thing for the yearbook and everything. The minute I walked in, I just felt this warmth. And I'm like, I'm coming off of a promotion that's about to be on Netflix that felt the opposite. And I'm like, I don't see what's so great. I love this. And I was actually told to pick one knowing like they were filming while that Netflix thing was starting. I was there, they were filming. And I was basically told to pick when I went. Knowing I could be on Netflix, I chose Memphis. And that's the way I went. Well, hey, now you get to be on Action News Plus, so that's all good. I'm cool with it. Yeah, man. Got to be on Young Rock. You can see me in the background there. You know, yeah. Next to Bret Hart. Winky, <laughs> winky. 
<laughs> well, Duddy, we're down to our last minute, so I guess it's time for me to say goodbye. Um, I really appreciate you doing this with me. I think this was a fun episode of Back to the Light and Duddy's Your Buddy, and I look forward to working together more and seeing you at the Wrestle Center this Sunday. Yeah, I'll be there, and I think we should do this again, like maybe every, I don't know, 10 or so episodes we should do this now that we can. Yeah, we'll check in. We'll check in again for sure. See what the people say. All right. <laughs> love you, dog. Yeah, I love you too. You take care. Thank you.